And we are live. Welcome to the first episode of our new series, How I Became Fluent in English, <clears throat> where we'll observe how non-native English speakers became fluent in English. So in this interview, you're going to learn exactly what it takes to improve all four of the major skills in English, whether that be reading, writing, listening, or speaking. So today we're very privileged to be joined with a professional translator from Tokyo, Japan, Ayaka, who speaks phenomenal English for someone who is a non-native English speaker. So before we start, if you're on YouTube, um, you can support the channel just by liking the video as it'll help the YouTube algorithm spread the message to other people who are also trying to learn English. And if you're on TikTok, you can hop on and check out this interview simply by going to YouTube. It is Arc English on YouTube, as you can see. Okay, so to start off, let's get to know you a little bit better. Sure. So, Eka, what is your purpose for learning the English language, and how long have you been learning it for? Let me answer the second one first, because that would be easier. I've been learning for 26 years. I started when I joined, when I entered junior high school. That's the year we will all start learning English in my country. Now we, they, now they start in elementary school. That's so, so that's a little different than the, my period. But back when I was young, we all started in junior high school. So and my purpose for learning the English language basically was to get good grades. If you ask me, because that was the part of the curriculum. There was nothing else in that period. Okay, I see. And then um, what made you want to be a professional translator in English? Um, I don't really think I wanted to be a translator at any point in my life, but it just happened. Um, after graduating, I actually majored in architecture in university. So uh, I would love to be an architect because my father is an architect. He has his own studio. He wanted me to take it over. But uh, somehow I couldn't do that. I wasn't really cut out for it. Um, I would have loved to be an architect, but it was too hard for me. So maybe just as a compromise, I, I just joined a normal Japanese company and I worked with them for three years and I went to Italy. I, I went to Italy and I spent about six months there and I had to come back. This was also not my choice. I didn't want to come back to Japan, but um, something happened in Rome and I have to come back to Japan and I have to look for another job. So, um, so here I am doing this job wow. using English, Italian and Japanese, nice. but I enjoy it. Yeah, it definitely sounds like uh, life happened to you. Yeah, <laughs> Say the a least. lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so, okay, so three languages that you know are English, Italian, and Japanese, correct? Mm -hmm. Or do you know any yes. other languages as well? A bit of French, but I won't be able to talk to you in French. Okay, I got you. It's all good. So, okay, to start off, let's talk about your strategy here. So... You know English and you know Italian. Would you say that your strategy for learning English was significantly different from your strategy to learn Italian? Yes, I would say it was significantly differently different because I did have textbook written in Japanese when I was studying English, while when I was learning Italian, I didn't have any anything written in Japanese because I simply went to Rome. Everything was taught verbally in, in Italian. So that was significant, significantly different for me. I see. 
And uh, which aspect of English do you think is the most difficult for from the perspective of somebody who speaks Japanese as a first language? I think it's the pronunciation. Right. Okay. Pronunciation. That's something you probably have to get a lot of repetition at and actually train your mouth to do. And that probably, Oh, I know for French that took me years. So I, I couldn't imagine how much, how difficult it could be for someone who speaks Japanese as a first language. Exactly. But it takes you, a lot of muscle training. You say you found that more difficult than um, writing because switching from characters to the English alphabet, I don't know how hard that is, but I'd imagine it's pretty difficult. So no, <laughs> it's say, not difficult at all. Pronunciation is much more difficult than that. You say? Yeah. Because yeah. our character, Chinese characters are much more complicated than alphabet. Anybody okay. who, who has learned to writer writer characters chinese characters mm -hmm. for us it's so easy to write alphabets i see okay and then okay so let's talk about grammar here so what was your strategy for learning english grammar when you were starting out hmm. around the beginning i was just following the textbook so i don't really know how to describe what typical strategies would look like can you give me an example right because I guess when I started learning French, for an example, I, I started with a textbook as well. Uh, mm. That essentially was my strategy for learning grammar, because there's some people out there who they might want to start by using an application like Duolingo is the most popular one I could think of off the top of my head. Mm. And I, I think that Duolingo and these applications where you basically do little quizzes for five minutes, 10 minutes, I think that's good. I think it's supplementary to your learning. I yeah. think it's a good bonus it's a good mm -hmm. addition but i'd say that you really do need to learn the grammar though in order to structure sentences together and that other stuff is sort of just to rep it out absolutely your repetitions but um i'd say the best strategy for someone who needs to learn grammar starting out i would personally recommend a textbook in their native language that outlines the differences between the english language and their native language mm -hmm. and if they could get a deep understanding of that then it'll make practicing all of the other skills like a hundred times easier. That's my opinion. But um, would you say that you'd follow a similar strategy or yeah. would you go about it a different way at all? I totally agree with what you said. Yeah. But back when I started studying mm -hmm. English, we didn't have those apps. <laughs> yeah. I'm 38 years old right now. We didn't right. have any of those apps. Duolingo right. sounds pretty new to me. I'd um, I think it's good. I, I want to give it a try with friends sometime. But so when I was starting, I was just hitting my book and I was, was also listening to the radio. The radio program, radio show was in Japanese. It was an educational show. Um, they did that three times a week, I think. It was a 15 minute program. I listened to that every day and I was looking forward to it. I listened to that, uh, listened to the, um, to the dialogue. I mean, the, the vignette. And I had to pause the recording phrase by phrase. And I stopped that. And I repeated each phrase until I could say in the exact way I heard. So that, that is how I worked on my muscle training. But it also helped me um, develop my grammar skills. OK, nice. So I was going to say, that's well, that's definitely more hard than <laughs> what I've had to do recently. <laughs> Because back with, then with the you, you didn't have the, uh, I guess you didn't have as many tools of 
readily available to you for language learning. So that's actually more, that's more impressive actually. But thank you. (laughs) Is your strategy, would you say your strategy for studying grammar for English, would you say it was similar to studying grammar for Italian? Or would you say there were two totally different approaches? Oh, right. So it's totally different. I mean, if you compare English and Japanese and English and Italian, although Italian and English are two different languages, there are still similarities between Italian and English. But if you compare English and Japanese, there's virtually no nothing in common when right. it comes to grammar. So um, you have to kind of, so we, we, we both took about, talked about using textbooks written in your own language, but sometimes it doesn't really help because for, for Japanese speakers, in order to learn English, we have sometimes have to get away from our own language. We have to kind of leave uh, our original language and get into this totally new world. Because if you keep on trying to construct a phrase, starting always from your own language, you will always make a mistake and you will never get there. No, I totally agree with that. I totally agree. And yeah, it's, um, I guess, yeah, you could say there are some similarities among the Latin languages. Uh, yeah. I, and I could definitely see that coming from your perspective too, as someone who speaks Japanese as a first language. For me, speaking English as a first language, I found that even learning French, even though the a lot of the vocabulary words are very similar, mm-hmm. it is... Um, it was just so difficult. The grammatical rules and structuring sentences and the figure of speech was just dramatically different. Yeah. And that I struggled with. That took me years. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to see your perspective as learning someone who's learning Italian and English. That's really cool because I see a huge difference between something like English, Italian and English and French. But of course, you'd obviously see a bigger difference with Japanese. Yeah, it's so too. much more distant. For sure. And let's talk about reading for the people who want to improve their reading skills in English. So what would you say would be the best strategy for learning how to read in English for a beginner? Find something that you can, that you purely enjoy. Find a picture book, for example, if you like those, like the illustrations, just by looking at the book, you'll feel naturally happy. And um, you don't really need to focus on the text itself. You have to just enjoy the experience of spending some time with something written in English. So don't worry too much about understanding the whole thing. Just just try to enjoy the whole experience. Right. I'd agree with that. And a lot of people different people have to take different approaches to learning English because some people are trying to learn English uh, for academic purposes. Maybe they want to get into a school in the United States or Canada or overseas and they need to pass an English exam to get in. Or maybe they want to do it for work opportunities as well because uh, English is a requirement to get a certain job um, of their choice. So would you say that learning advanced reading skills would be required for someone who is just casually trying to learn English just for recreational use? Or do you think advanced reading skills should be something that's more reserved for people who actually are trying to work or study in English? Right. I can't really imagine maybe like a tourist coming to Japan um, 
trying to study hard to, in order to read a lot of things in Japanese, wh why would you need that? Mm. And if you enjoy that, you can do that definitely, but it's not necessary. We don't ask you to do that. Definitely, <laughs> Just to yeah. come here and enjoy traveling here. For sure. And, I, and I'd say the same thing too. And, and not necessarily just stuff you enjoy, but just stuff that's relevant to your lifestyle. Right. Um, learn vocabulary that you you can realistically see yourself using. Use vocabulary that you actually do use in your native language <laughs> and figure out the correct exactly. translation into English. That's yeah. probably the best way to go about it for um, anyone listening, <laughs> in my opinion. Exactly. But then one more thing I'd say is just... Um, when it comes to reading, it's always good to have a visual as well. I think the most efficient way is watching things with subtitles, simply because you'll actually see how the words applied with a visual and you can mm -hmm. apply imagery, which is really good for your brain. It's better to associate imagery with words as opposed to translating word for word in your head for your native language, because there's a 99% chance that the figure of speech is totally different. Right, right, native right. Language and the English language. But let's talk about writing now. So what would you say is the best strategy for someone trying to learn how to write? Or, or maybe they don't even write these days, type or text. <laughs> hmm. What do you think would be the uh, best strategy for someone uh, trying to sentence structures in that form? Right. Uh, even in my generation, I was typing already. I wasn't writing too much. So what I did was uh, I went online. Um, look for friends uh, living outside of Japan who are interested in my country. So I met a fr made friends with a lot of those people and I chatted with them on a daily basis. So chatting um, doesn't require you to write a whole chapter or a paragraph, but it still asks you to write very quickly and typing very quickly. And you, you, you can automatically learn how to respond fast. And that really helps. And when you have time to and uh, by yourself and be, be yourself. And um, if you want to write something for yourself, you can do so as uh, spending as much time as you want. So uh, it's just a repetition and, or accumulation of those efforts. Yeah, I'd say the same thing too. I'd say first, learn the grammar, learn how to set in the structure actually, which a textbook will help you do that a ton. But then once you know how to sense the structures, it really comes down to the repetition. Mm -hmm. um, a diary, a uh, notes app on your phone, and just um, ex try to express yourself, basically. Try to exactly. type things that um, have to do with your current train of thought, stuff like that, stuff that you probably even say in a conversation. And um, it's definitely an important piece of the puzzle that a lot of people underestimate. But I think it's um, it's very important to have these four skills working in tandem. Um, yeah. To speak English efficiently. Totally. For sure. For sure. And then... Right. On that note, would you say that advanced writing skills and perfect grammar and essay writing um, and being able to spell words correctly, that's a really big thing, too. Would you say that that's really necessary with the technology today because of spell check? Um, <laughs> even um, on my phone, when I'm texting someone in French, it will predict the next word you're going to say, and it'll fill your sentence for you. <laughs> um, if if someone gave me a pen and a piece of paper, I don't know if I'd be able to spell most of my words correctly in French. So would you say that it's still relevant in today's day and age to be able to spell and write traditionally? Or do you think, uh, let's just use the technology 
let's use the spell check and let's just uh, make life easier. <laughs> I'm all for technology. Yeah. So let's use it. Let's yep. take advantage of technology. Um, well, same thing happens in Japanese as well. We don't have anything like a spelling. It's not just the order of alphabets that we follow. So it's the, it's the each. You have to learn each Chinese character. And we're kind of losing that ability because we don't write. We just simply type. So there are so many Chinese characters that I learned when I was a child that I maybe not be able to write correctly right now because I forgot a lot of it uh, thanks to and um, because of the technology. But uh, really, technology is there to be taken advantage of. So... Let's use it. And when you have to really spell some word correctly um, by yourself, you can go back to your memory and you'll be, able to do, you'll be able to do it. It wouldn't be that difficult because you keep looking at those words every day. Mm. So I don't think you need to focus on that too much. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to put an emphasis on that too for whatever I teach people in English. Um, I'm trying to make sure that it's geared around modern day English skills. And I mm. always try to be mindful that uh, we're not doing things that are totally outdated. Right. So, and of course, a lot has changed with the internet in the last 10, 20 years. So I can't imagine what it's going to be like 10 years later from today. Mm. So um, we'll always have to adapt. <laughs> exactly. And then when it comes to listening, which is a skill that everybody wants to have, even if they can't read or write, everyone wants to be able to understand fast spoken English, fluent spoken English. Mm. So <clears throat> what would you say is the best strategy for listening in your opinion? Well, again, look for some content that you you simply like. For In my example, for example, I, I'm a big fan of classical ballet. Ballet does not come with any conversation, so it doesn't maybe, it doesn't help. But if you go online, you can find a lot of interviews of dancers from across the world. So that would help you um, increase your, enhance your listening skills because you're already interested in the subject. So you're um, naturally inclined to listen to them and you will try to understand them because you want to know about them. You want to um, pull information out of what they're saying. So it's automatic and it's uh, always, uh, you get pleasure out of it and it's never a torture. And I would def def definitely recommend that. So it depends on what, what you're interested in. Yeah, I'd say uh, the same concept. Uh, listen to stuff that's relevant. Listen to stuff that you're interested in. If you get the repetitions, it'll wash over time. I agree with all of that. I would say that um, on this note, do you think that it's important to only learn the accents, the idioms, and the terminology of the region you want to speak English in? Let's say there's someone in Japan, right? And they want to move to England or London, England to uh, go to school. Do you think that they should only learn British English and British terminology? Or do you think that they should have a balance of studying all of the different accents of the English language? Well, in this specific example that you gave me, this person should definitely learn British English because it wouldn't make sense learning or speaking American English in, uh, in the United Kingdom. They, people wouldn't accept you. I mean, people will like you more if, they, if you speak their own language. That's even why um, when I went to Italy, I tried to learn their local language. 
Right. I'd, I'd have to push back on that a bit because logically what you said, it sounds like it makes sense. But in reality, it's not always the case because major cities and I'm talking about mega cities, like even Tokyo, for an example, I'm sure in Tokyo, there are tourists and people who speak English as a first language because there's so many people there. And I'm sure they come from Australia. Some of them come from England. Some of them come from America. So even in London too, mega city, a lot of diversity some of the most diverse, one of the most diverse cities in the world. Um, I'd say that you're going to encounter people who speak with a variety of different accents. And you're also going to encounter people who don't speak English as a first language who will have an accent in and of itself. So I'd always say um, it's a great idea to practice. Well, of course, I agree with you, you should focus on British English in that situation, but um, you should not undermine or ne totally neglect uh, learning the other accents as well, mm. because it, it, it can lead down a path where you struggle to understand almost half the people who you will encounter. Well, this is actually, I think this is actually what you have to do when you are, when your first language is English. When you yeah. learn English as a second language, I don't need, I don't think we have enough time to work on other accents. So I think it's much more efficient to just focus on the, the basic, neutral, clean accent in the beginning. And we try to get used to it. And once you master that accent, then we, we might get into, you know, people from other parts of the world speaking with different accents. And if you want to be friends with those people, you automatically start to understand them better and you, you'll pay more attention to understand um, their accents. And so it'll, it'll happen at a later stage. You don't have to do that in the beginning, beginning of your study, I don't think. Right. And, and yeah, that's another thing too. I, I would never expect someone to proactively try to um, understand accents that they're rarely going to encounter. But I definitely think that's something that's just going to come with experience passively, actually, because even yeah. with French in Montreal, it's a super diverse city. So I'll talk to someone with a Quebecois accent, then I'll talk to someone with a Parisian accent, and then on the phone I'll talk with someone who's from an African country that's French. They'll speak Congolese, and it's not something that I intentionally try to learn. I didn't intentionally try to learn mm -hmm. like ten different accents. It's just uh, with experience you'll passively observe. Yeah, I suppose with life experience. But you're right; no one has the time to. <laughs> Go out I really don't. Learn. Just learning one language is a lot of work. So yeah, so be efficient. Yeah, that's even why we, we. I'm all for technology. It's one way to be efficient. So we, sure. we always need to, to you know, talk, uh, think about using your time efficiently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, as a final verdict, I just say, be mindful. Like um, something I do, it's a little bit creepy, but. <laughs> if you would hear someone speaking French or having a conversation at a bus stop or something like that, you'd eavesdrop to practice your listening skills in the beginning phases. Yeah. Like that. So, I mean, it's something where you should just be mindful and not totally neglect it, even though you're not being proactive in your approach to learning it. Right, right, if right. That, if that makes any sense. It does, does. Because I did that too. And I mm -hmm. still do it. Whenever I see someone talking in a different language, I will listen to them and uh, try to understand where they're coming from. It's, it, it, it interests me and it, it excites me. Uh, it, it, when I was younger, the excitement was much 
larger, much, uh, much more dramatic, but I still get excited meeting people from all over the world. Now let's get into the good stuff. Speaking. <laughs> Everyone wants to speak fluently in English. A lot of people aspire to sound like uh, native English speakers as well. So what would you say is the best advice for practicing your pronunciation, practicing your speaking skills in English? Mm. Uh, we, we, we both talked about the importance of spending much time reading and writing, but okay, let's put that aside for a while and um, just watch a TV show or, or talk to a friend. And in any way, we have to find a way to allow yourself to to speak that language. Because when I was younger, I wanted to see myself speaking the English language. I wanted to, I wanted that language coming right from my mouth. That was what, what I wanted when I was younger. And um, think about this magic moment. So before you study a language, the only language you speak is your first language. But if you start speaking another language, you can gain another personality and it's like magic. So, so use your imagination and um, dream of yourself gaining another personality. And um, don't be shy. Uh, for example, in English class, everybody has to take an English class, I guess, when you're studying in English, study English. I did, I did too. And my class teacher was so proud of me because I was never um, shy of making mistakes. I, I was okay just standing in the classroom, uh, reading the whole paragraph um, to, to, to everybody else in the class. Um, and I would make mistakes and the teacher would correct me. And that is how I was able to improve little by little. So unless you start to speak, nothing happens. Um, nobody will be able to understand what you're saying. So speak up, uh, don't be afraid, falling in love with yourself, speaking another language. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's similar to the concepts we spoke about before, too. And then um, on top of doing things you enjoy, um, picturing yourself and actually seeing yourself doing that as well and training yeah. your mouth through repetition. A lot of people ask me an interesting question, though, when it comes to speaking. They ask me, how do I get rid of my accent? Or is it even possible to eliminate an accent? Do you believe that it's possible to completely eliminate an accent when you don't speak English as a first language? I think it is possible if you work very hard on it. Um, the journey continues. It never ends. So the more time you spend on it, the better it will be. So once you give up, that's the end. But if you continue doing it, you'll be able to get there. That's what I believe. And that's even why I continue to do that work on it definitely and yeah i definitely advise that too i say uh, learning english it's something that you need to incorporate into your lifestyle it's yeah. not something that you really just switch on and off it, it really becomes a part of your identity mm. so uh, that's definitely imperative and i even say even if you don't have a lot of time even if it's just minimal uh make sure to exercise all of your english skills mm -hmm. every single day yeah, uh, even it's if good it's five minutes, even if it's not active, it's passive. You're doing it passively, like in the passive ways we talked about. And to eliminate an accent, I'd say, yeah, I, I guess I'd say it's possible. Never say never. Anything is possible. But I'd say that 
you should lower people should lower their expectations i'd say it would take a substantial period of time to mm. eliminate an accent it's not something you're going to do in a matter of one month or two months or something like that and i also think that it requires immersion i think yeah. that you will need to immerse yourself with native speakers one way or another mm. um i i'm not sure if it well possible but extremely difficult <laughs> to eliminate an accent if you oh not immersed. you don't have to threaten them that much <laughs> i mean i yeah because i don't know because there's a lot of people out there saying uh throwing around slogans like become fluent in English in one week, ah, <laughs> become fluent right. in English in one month, become fluent in English in three months. To answer the question, how long does it take to become fluent in English? I'd say forever. Yeah. I mean, the answer I'd say is it depends how much time you spend doing it. Mm. Um, is it possible in three months? Maybe if you worked around the clock, like 12 hour days, <laughs> maybe if, uh, but for most people who are busy and have lives, um, I'd expect it to take at least a year of consistent effort until you're mm. like comfortably conversational. But we probably can still can't measure it. Because we... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You improve year by year as you go on. Well, it's another thing you learn something right. new every day. So yeah, it's um, it's a continuous effort. Do, do not sit um, don't imagine you can finish it at one point. If you want to finish it, it means you want you don't want to improve yourself anymore. But you have to keep on doing it because languages just evolve all the time. Hmm. And we have someone in the chat here. Uh, I'm just going to read these questions in the chat. Hmm. So we have a question here. Sorry if I'm butchering your name. Um, Kaio da Silva, you said, is she Japanese? Yes, she is Japanese. Yeah, maybe I don't look like Japanese, but I am. <laughs> and another question from Jitel, did you take any AP classes in high school? I'm sorry, what is it? Um, an AP class, I think he's referring to like an advanced English class in high school. Did you take mm. any? advanced english classes in high school everybody took the same classes so, yeah, so i don't know which one was advanced I we had so. normal class based on textbook we had a separate class um it had a specific name but i forgot it and anyway we had this listening class uh where we sit together with a native english teacher one came from the united states one came from australia another one came from uh new zealand Mm -hmm. So that was a separate class. We had another class where we um, sit in a listening room. This is another listening class. Um, we we listened to cassette tape. Back in those days, we had those cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember we learned um, Don Quixote. We, we learned the story from Don Quixote. So the teacher, Japanese teacher was there, and she played the tape for us. And we had to listen to it and learn the story, maybe translate some of them. And we did that weekly. So we had like three or four kinds of different classes of English, of English but I don't know which one was advanced. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. in, in Canada, it's English and French are the two languages of the country. So you have to learn French as well in school as you're growing up. But it's, it's kind of a joke, though. We learned maybe numbers and colors, but it wasn't uh, as 
elaborate as uh, what you're describing. So that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah. School in Canada, yeah, definitely, definitely not the same. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Well, that's... it makes sense. I guess the schooling systems must be different from Japan mm. to Canada, but um, but yeah, no, that's that sounds elaborate. That sounds good. And um, in terms of conversation skills, now, which essentially I think conversation skills is putting all four of those skills together: reading, writing, listening, and speaking. So, do you believe that you need to be proficient in all four of those skills um, in order to have a meaningful conversation in English? Or do you think you can be good at a couple, bad at a couple, and still be able to get by? Yeah, I'm really interested in this word, meaningful conversation. What is a meaningful conversation? <laughs> so, um, Like the one we're having right now. Um, you can freely express your thoughts. Um, no, I was trying to joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> You know, between two people who love each other, for example, even just saying I love you would be so meaningful, right? And it's just three words. You don't have to read a lot of um, different text books in order to, to, to say that. Everybody can say that. Um, but it really depends on the type of conversation that you're having. So, for example, if you're in a business situation, you have to read a lot of documents in advance. You have to prepare for your presentation that requires your writing skills and reading skills. But if you're simply talking to a friend, you don't have to prepare for a friendly conversation. So it really depends on the context. Right, I was gonna say, um, yeah, that's a very valid argument. You can communicate meaningful things without needing an extensive vocabulary. Okay, so mm -hmm. that is valid. But let's say someone wanted to, they don't speak English as a first language, they want to hop onto a podcast. Mm. <laughs> they just want to have a free flow and conversation. Do you think they need all four of those skills? Or do you think uh, maybe just being good at one or two would be good enough? Well, I kind of actually realized that there are people who are only good at speaking and not good at all in writing at all. So I see, for example, Japanese people who are extremely great speakers, but when it comes to writing, their writing just doesn't work at all. So if you want to do a podcast, for example, it only requires you to speak, so you, you may not need the writing skills. But if the podcast, if you if you need to prepare a written material for the podcast channel, you obviously need to be able to write. But if you just want to keep on speaking, if you just like speaking and you hate writing, you can just skip the, the part that you don't like. So let's go back to the, the part where we talked about the, the usage of technology. We can take, take advantage of uh, everything that's available because uh, we want to be efficient. We don't want to spend any second doing the things that you don't want. So yeah, I, I think it's totally okay if you just want to focus on speaking. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd say, at least with the English, I'm not sure about the Japanese language, but with the English language, at least for writing, uh, especially when it comes to slang terminology and the way that uh, the younger generation speaks, we use a ton of abbreviations and acronyms and initialisms in uh, texting. So, and sometimes as a joke, you'll say the acronym letter by letter just in conversation. Mm. You'll say LOL or something like that in a conversation and stuff along the lines of that. So I'd say writing, it can be a little bit relevant in the sense that there's a lot of terminology that's good to know, even if you don't necessarily uh, use it 
all the time. Sure, sure. It's good to interpret, I guess. But yeah, I, I would agree with you for the most part that um, you could definitely develop speaking skills without being very good at the other ones, for sure. Right. I'd say they all enhance each other, but um, it's possible to be much better at one than the other, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then um, do you believe that conversing with non-native English speakers is effective for people who don't speak English as a first language? Well, at first I was going to say no, but when I think about myself, I actually did that a lot when I was growing up. So as I was saying, I went online uh, look for people who were interested in Japan, and I, and I enjoyed chatting with those people. And a lot of them came from Europe, uh, such as France, Italy, Spain, those countries. So their English was not as good as, um, as, as those who speak English as a first language, obviously. But it still helped because I was already interested in their cultures. And, um, and so it, all, it always comes back to this point. Uh, where you have where you where you proactively look for people who are automatically interested in yourself, and you have to be interested in those people as well. So um, it does help talking with those people, but they do have their um, their accents. They make mistakes because of their first languages. So you always have to have, in addition to those people, uh, somebody that you that can that you can really trust that you can somebody that you can call as your role model. So I didn't have, always didn't have some American friends on the side as well. Maybe someone from Canada, someone from the United Kingdom. So those people coming from English speaking countries. Yeah, definitely. And even, I'd say it's even effective to practice speaking by yourself, um, just to train your mouth, just expressing yourself, expressing your thoughts out loud in English, even if it's on your own, like when you're taking a shower, for an example, I'd always do that. You just express your train of thought in oh. the language that you're trying to learn. And it's just extra repetition. And like you were even mentioning beforehand, where you can sort of envision yourself or see yourself in a certain social situation or a certain context, um, you can actually practice what you would realistically say in that situation, mm -hmm. in that language. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways you can do that, uh, even when you have two minutes when you wake up in the morning, five minutes when you go to bed at night. But um, yeah, I definitely say there are a ton of ways that are effective that don't necessarily require access to native English speakers. Right, right, right. You can do it by yourself. And I <laughs> think I did that as well. When I was going to school on the train, maybe not on the train, but I was um, going to the station by bike. I think I did that as well. Yeah, definitely works. And then to conclude, I have uh, about two more questions for you before we wrap up. So if you had to give advice to someone who is an absolute beginner in English, um, let's say a Japanese person, they speak only Japanese, not a word of English. They don't even know hello, goodbye, thank you. They don't know anything. How would you advise them to become fluent in English? Where would they begin? Where would they start? Uh, I would ask them what they're interested in. Uh, do, you, do you like, for example, do you like movies? Do you like music? Uh, and depending on what they like, I would suggest the context and uh, content that they might be able to work on. And don't think of it. Don't think of it as a 
as an obligation. It's uh, it's just to give you extra pleasure in your life. And uh, I would suggest them to just enjoy the whole thing, the whole experience, and um, and also be ready to um, like 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 just like we were saying, it takes forever to learn a language, so don't expect this journey to end in like three months or 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 two months. Mm-hmm. Be ready for this long journey and just uh, try to enjoy the whole thing. That's where you can start. Yeah, definitely. It's it's important to start with the mindset and have the right attitude because um, a lot of people, they they vastly underestimate how difficult it is to learn a new language. They think that, um, and a lot of people, they don't really have a real purpose for learning it either, which is a struggle for a lot of people too. Um, the people who need to learn it for school or for work, or they're planning on actually traveling and immigrating and living in an English speaking country, they have to learn it. So they're going to put forth more effort to find ways and creative ways to Mm. uh, make sure they're learning it every day. But there's a lot of people out there who want to learn a new language out of vanity. Um, just because, um, I want to be the cool guy in the room who knows like 20 languages, (laughs) but then they look at the scope of work (laughs) and they see what they'll actually need to do every day to acquire that. And they realize they're not going to acquire it tomorrow. It might take them years. And then they say, is it really worth it just to brag (laughs) about learning a language? It's like, well, it's something everyone needs to um, assess for themselves, I guess, but yeah, it's still good. Yeah, I would um, I would support that idea of learning many different languages out of vanity because I see those people on YouTube and I enjoy watching their videos. It's fantastic. I, I, I would say that's that. a purpose. I'd say they have a purpose to learn. Oh, yeah. Because they're sense, yeah. trying to create entertainment. Maybe they're um, they actually enjoy uh, just studying and exercising that side of their brain, too. Hmm. Um, I, I'd say those people are still purpose driven. When I say vanity, I mean someone who. Um, sort of wants the outcome, but doesn't want to put in the work. But I think those people who do it for fun, I think they're okay with putting in the work yeah. <laughs> to get the outcome. So that's that's really just, uh, to put it simply, I'd say that's Mm-mm. the difference. Then as a last question, if you had to give advice to someone who is already at the intermediate level, let's say they can carry a conversation, they can understand things vaguely, not 100%, but maybe 80%. Um, how would you advise that they can go from the intermediate level to the advanced level? They can go from speaking broken English to speaking fluent English. Right. Um, don't, um, don't underestimate your potential. Um, sometimes you want to give up because you think that's the, that's, that's your limit. But if you, don't set a limit and try to go keep going. You can go anywhere. And uh, it's also a good idea to find somebody who can who you can talk to on a daily basis. And if if that person is kind enough for you, they will they will answer any question you might have. So when you're talking to that person and you don't understand the word, you can ask, feel free to ask. So what does that mean? And they'll be happy to answer and explain everything for you. So instead of just um studying by yourself, it's always much more fun to have somebody to help you and it must be somebody um around your age ideally because in that in that 
in that way you'll be able to talk about anything about your daily life and, and they'll quickly understand the the context so somebody around your age somebody who is interested in you who's happy to help you with your own language that will be um that will help you a lot yeah i, I definitely agree i think it would be a big mistake to try to do everything on your own i think right. uh, it's definitely a great idea to leverage um whoever you can to, uh, to expedite that process or make that process quicker. Uh, so yeah, uh, thanks for coming out. Thank you. It was a good talk. I think it was good insight for people as well. Um, so. I think um, you really get good insight in terms of the mindset they'll need to have. You covered mm. the different strategies for grammar, reading, writing, listening, and speaking and conversation. Um, I like how you articulate it in a very simple manner, very easy to digest. Uh, very easy to understand. And um, where would people be able to find you on TikTok or your website? Um, I did a duet video with you on TikTok. So maybe that's the way, uh, easiest way for everybody to find me. And I also have, um, I don't have a YouTube channel. Maybe I should start posting something. Yeah, I'm working on it. So let's yep. start with TikTok. All right. And her description for a TikTok will be in our description below. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming out. And for everyone out there, you can support the channel simply by liking the video. It'll help the YouTube algorithm push the message out to other people who are also trying to learn English. You can also subscribe as well and follow us on our other social media platforms to immerse yourself in English every single day. Um, we'll be putting out new content every day and making sure that you learn something new every single day. So feel free to do that. And until next time. Thank you.